Amen. Amen. To whom then will ye liken me? Or shall I be equal, said the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things. Bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, and not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speaketh, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Has thou not known, has thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, wait a minute, wait a minute, but they that wait upon the Lord, but they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. To God be the glory for the things that he has done. Amen. It is now, it is now preaching time. Amen. Amen. Just for a few minutes, allow me to call your attention uh, to uh, the gospel according uh, to Dr. Luke. Looking at Luke chapter 13, and we'll read uh, verses 11 through 17 for our listening consideration. I know on the last couple of Sundays we have been looking at uh, that second chapter of Acts, and I thought we were going to go back there today, but but God uh, led me in a different, uh, a different, different direction. So Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, uh, starting with verse 11, reading down through verse 17. If you have it, say amen. If you're still looking, say hold on. Amen. Starting with verse number 17. <coughs> And I'll be reading from the King James Version, uh, so it may differ a little bit from whatever version you are reading from. Uh, but starting with verse 11, it says, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. 
And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. In verse 17, when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of his holy word. Uh, my brothers and sisters, uh, for the last couple of weeks, I think uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, 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 symptoms of moving from religion to righteousness. And then on last week, uh, we talked about uh, signals uh, of moving from religion to righteousness. And so just for a few minutes, I want to talk from, uh, from this topic on this morning, signs of moving from religion to righteousness. Come on, say it with me. Signs of moving from religion to righteousness. And I kind of want to use a hashtag with with, with this topic and, and use it as a subtopic, but the hashtag is simply hashtag captive free. You do know our motto, which is moving from religion to righteousness. And then the mission statement of this, our church, is creating a Christ-centered, captive free and a community-driven congregation. And so I want to use that hashtag, hashtag captive freeing. Because this morning, my brothers and sisters, we want to talk about the separating Savior. Yeah, I hear you. I know you. You're saying, well, Reverend, I've heard of uh, the suffering Savior. That's when the Lord suffered all that he went through on our behalf, and we will call him the suffering Savior. You may even say, I've heard of the sacrificial Savior. That's when God, uh, Jesus, God through Jesus Christ, uh, sacrificed his own body, sacrificed himself for us. And so we will call him a sacrificing, sacrificial Savior. 
then you may even say, well, I, I've heard of the sinless Savior. We, we know through our studying of God's holy word that our Lord and Savior was sin-free, but he died for a sinful world. And so you would call him a sinless Savior. And then you may even say, I've even heard of the substitutionary Savior, where he substituted what, what, was, what was ours. We should have been the ones who died on the cross. We were the ones who should have been wiped uh, into oblivion, but he, he suffered on our behalf. And so you want to call him the substitutionary Savior. But, but you're saying, but Reverend, I've never heard of someone referred to him as a separating Savior. And so I'm glad you've come with that query because uh, I have some things in this text. There are some things in this text that will, um, that will, that will tell us about this separating Savior as we talk about being a church that frees captives. Yes, if we, we come to the text and we notice that uh, Jesus is teaching in one of the synagogues in Capernaum on the Sabbath day. And this little pericope in which I read verses 11 through 17, uh, they are uh, sandwiched in between a couple of parables that Jesus gives while he was teaching. And we know, of course, a parable is simply an earthly story that gives a heavenly meaning. But in the midst of his teaching, in the midst of telling these parables, he looks and sees a woman with a spirit of infirmity. And so that leads me to my first point, my brothers and sisters, that if if we're going to move from religion to righteousness, uh, there are some signs of the movement from religion to righteousness. And the first sign is, the first sign is that we must separate the adjective from the noun. Yeah, we, I, I, I didn't make that up. I didn't make it up. It's right there in the text. Verse 11a tells us how Jesus separated the adjective from the noun. Verse 11a says, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. Well, my brothers and sisters, we, if we're going to move from religion to righteousness, we must um, example, we must exude what, what Jesus the Christ did in his earthly ministry, we must separate the adjective from the noun. And we simply separate the adjective from the noun by placing the noun first, then stating the adjective. Oh, I wish I had some help up in here. We must, we, must, we must place the noun first and then the adjective. Instead of Dr. Luke saying that there was a arthritic woman in the midst, or in his, instead of Dr. Luke categorizing it as a, a slumped over woman, 
he categorized it as a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. Oh, y'all stay with me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to explain it here in a minute. Uh, matter of fact, let me see if I can use this story. A teacher uh, stood up in front of his class one day, and he stood up holding a pomegranate. And he said, uh, in my hand is a pomegranate. And in our culture and in our language, we would call this a red fruit. Uh, but in the sacred tongue and in, it, in many other languages other than the one that we are accustomed to, it would be called a fruit, comma, red. Yeah, a fruit that happens to be red. He then says that in order for us to be the Christian men, women, boys, and girls, that God has called us to be in order to move from religion to righteousness, we must start putting the noun before the adjective. Oh, that's what Dr. Luke did when he recorded this miracle. And, and he said a woman who had an in, who, who had a spirit of infirmity. Oh, let me see if I can bring it just a little bit closer. You know, instead of saying that no good Negro changed that thing up, he just happens to be a Negro that happens to be no good. Oh, I wish I had some help up in here. Instead of saying a sinful woman or a sinful man, it's a man that happens to be caught up in sin or a woman that happens to be caught up in sin because can i tell you my brothers and sisters god created each and every one of us whether we are dark complected whether we are light complected whether we are uh, skinny thin uh, big or whatever the case may be god has created each and every one of us in his image and so in order for us to be righteous we have to se start separating the adjective from the noun so instead of being a a a sinful man it's a man that was caught up in sin instead of being an adulterous woman it's a woman caught up in adultery you see, the only way you can be as righteous as God would have us to be, we have to start looking at everybody we come in contact with as one of God's children. We must look at them as, as someone that he made in their image, and they just happen to be caught up in whatever it is that they're caught up in. I wish I had about five folk that would be glad that God separates the adjective from the noun. Because when he looks on me, he doesn't see sinful Chuck. No, but he sees Chuck who's caught up in sin. Oh, but when he looks at you, he, he doesn't see a sinful man or woman, but he sees a man or woman caught up in whatever it is that you may be caught up in. And in order for us to have the compassion for our brothers and sisters 
that we must have as being righteous folk, we have to start separating the adjective from the noun. Yeah, that's, that's the first sign of moving from religion to righteousness is when we can start separating the adjective from the noun and start placing the noun in front of the adjective. Yes, that's the first thing. Secondly, secondly, if we're going to uh, move from religion to righteousness, not only must we uh, separate uh, the adjective from the noun, but secondly, we must separate the past from the present. Oh, yeah, we must separate the past from the present. I didn't make that up. It's in the text. Verse 13 says, and he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Oh, yeah, our Lord and Savior in the midst of his teaching in the synagogue, in the midst of him using the parables to set the record straight, he took time out to look upon this poor woman. And can I tell you, can I just parenthetically pause right here to push a pertinent and powerful point as it relates to this pericope and publicly profess from this pulpit to the pew and let each and every one of us know that, 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 that this woman, she didn't do anything uh, specific to be noticed by God other than being in the house. I uh, wish I had some help up in here. You, you see, she could not have been, she could not have received her healing outside of the house. Because the text says that Jesus saw her. It wasn't like the woman with the issue of blood that came and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. It wasn't like the uh, Zacchaeus who climbed up in the tree in order to be seen by God. But but he just happened to look out his peripheral, like I see these musicians. He just happened to look out his peripheral, and he saw this woman who had been stumped over, who had a uh, spirit of infirmity, which simply means she was slumped over, which means she probably had some arthritis or some kind of spinal ailment. But she was in the synagogue. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. If, if you want to be healed from your situation, my brothers and sisters, you got to find your way to the house of God every opportunity that you get. You know, you can always tell when, 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 when folk who have always made their way to the house of God and always been in attendance in, in church and in Bible study and in worship, you could always tell when they stopped going to church. You can tell because their conversations start changing. You can tell because their actions start changing. You can, especially nowadays with, with social media, you can tell because those, uh, those things that used to be Christian posts, I, I wish I had some, some real folk up in here. You, you can tell when they're distancing themselves away from the house of the Lord. 
But I tell you, my brothers and sisters, every time the church doors are open, I want to find myself in the house of God. Every chance I get, I want to find myself in the house of God where I can hear the word from the Lord. Because truth of the matter is, a lot of times for most of us, we don't open our Bibles to the preacher say, open your Bible to such and such and such. So I, I chased that rabbit, um, but I'm going to chase it back to the, to the beaten path because the, the point was that we must separate the past from the present. And so he looks upon this, this poor woman, and he had compassion on her. Oh, my brothers and sisters, we, we've got to have compassion on our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we started out by saying separate the adjective from the noun. Because once you realize the noun first, and then you can deal with the adjective. Because you recognize that the noun is a, 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 a individual that is created in the image of God. Yes, yeah, so he looks upon this woman and he had compassion upon her but can I tell you my brothers and sisters he looks upon each and every one of us he looks upon our wretchedness and our ratchetness with the same compassion that he had on this poor little woman oh and the bible says that with one touch of his hands that he separated her past from her present. Oh, yeah, these, my brothers and sisters, were the same hands that, that, that were so often lifted up in praise to God. These were the same hands that were, were laid upon the eyes of the blind, and it caused them to see once again. Oh, these were the same hands that were laid on lepers and they became clean. Oh, God has a way, my brothers and sisters, of, of making crooked people straight. I wish I had some help up in here. I wish I had somebody to agree with me. Yeah, Reverend, I know that he makes crooked people straight because I was sinking deep in sin. I fell from the peaceful shore very deeply. I was staying within. I was sinking to rise no more but the master I, I wish I had somebody to get help get happy just over those words but the master of the sea he heard my despairing cry and from the waters he lifted me now safe am I oh he separates your past from your present it doesn't matter what you've been doing in the past. It don't matter if you were in Brother Gibson, your skullduggery in the past. It don't matter if you were selling weed or growing seeds in your past. It doesn't matter if you were selling coke or doing dope in your past. It doesn't matter whatever you were doing in your past. God is able to pick you up, turn your life away, and place your feet 
for sure. That's why Paul wrote these words, forgetting those things that are behind me. I press toward the mark. <laughs> uh, you got to separate the adjective from the noun. And then you got to separate the past from the present. Oh, but lest I hold you too long, my brothers and sisters, there's something else in the text. If we're going to move from religion to righteousness, like I said, the first sign is separate the adjective from the noun. Second is to separate the past from the present. But then lastly, we must separate the soul from ceremonies. Oh, it's in the text, my brothers and sisters. I ain't make that point up either. You got to read verses 14 through 17, and it shows us how, how the Lord Jesus Christ separated the soul of this woman from the ceremonies of the synagogue. I told you we're moving from religion to righteousness, and, and religion is just religiously doing something all the time religiously coming to church and going home, doing the same thing every, every week, every day in and day out. But, but when we become righteous, that's when we start adhering to the word of God and trying to put into practice everything that God has mandated in his holy word. And so our Lord and Savior, the more master of mankind, he separates the soul from the ceremonies. Oh, it's Ironside's work on uh, addresses on Luke. He says that during uh, Jesus' earthly ministry, that he consistently found himself in conflict with a certain group of legal formalists in Israel who put far more value upon uh, outward observances sacred ceremonies and religious rites than upon the human soul. And yet, and yet, the soul of a man is still far more greater to God than any such rites and or ceremonies that we may find ourselves in, my brothers and sisters. Oh, after the ruler of the synagogue saw what happened, the Bible says that they were filled with indignation. And so he calls out, uh, he, 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 he re recapitulates uh, uh, some Old Testament scripture by trying to prove Jesus wrong. But, but check the scene, though. He didn't say anything straight to Jesus. No, he knew better to say something to Jesus. But the Bible says that he addressed the crowd and told them what the Bible says about the Sabbath day. Matter of fact, it's found in, in Deuteronomy 5 and 13. I don't hold me to that because I don't got it in my notes. But I believe it's Deuteronomy 5 and 13. If not, I'll come back and make it right uh, when we talk again. But he quotes some scripture in order to prove to the people that he knew what he was doing, and Jesus was, uh, he was messing up the ceremony that had been done. And after Jesus heard this indignation from this 
ruler of the synagogue, he turns around and calls him a hypocrite. Now, my brothers and sisters, that word hypocrite in its Greek denotation uh, is simply a word that means it's a word used for an actor. And it literally, it literally means a second face. Yes, and yes, Greek actors, they did not appear on the stage showing their faces, but, but instead they would put on masks. And, and so the word second face was given to a Greek actor because they didn't show their real face. And so Jesus really calls this ruler of the synagogue a, I, I, and I'm going to put it like, he calls them two-faced. <laughs> Do I have any old school folk up, up in here? He, he sees what the indignation that this ruler of the synagogue had, and he told him, you hypocrite, you uh, second face, you actor. And can I tell you, my brothers and sisters, we have a whole lot of actors in the church house nowadays. We have a lot of folk acting to be religious, acting to be righteous, when in actuality, they are far away from the God of our salvation. Simply because we've put more emphasis on the ceremonies other than the souls of men, women, boys and girls. Oh, I wish I had some help up in here. We, we put more emphasis on the ritual, ritualistic things that we do in the house of God as far as baptism and as far as uh, communion and as far as all the other things that we do. We put more emphasis on those than on the souls of men, women, boys, and girls. You ask me how do I know? Because a lot of the time we don't even want sinners to come up in our church. They may not smell the way that we smell. They may not look the way that we look. They may not dress the way that we dress. Their kids may not act like they have any inkling of what to do when it comes to the house of the Lord. But can I tell you, my brothers and sisters, if we're going to move from religion to righteousness, we have to place a more emphasis on the souls of men, women, boys, and girls than the ritualistic ceremonies that we deal with. We've got to have compassion on our brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got to look out and see the need of our world. We've got to look out and see that men, women, boys, and girls are going to hell with gasoline draws on. And we've got to say something and tell them that if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I'll be going to hell right there with you. But one Friday night on a hill called Calvary, Jesus died for your sins and for my sins. One Friday night on a hill called Calvary, 
He died until the sun refused to shine. One Friday night on a hill called Calvary, he gave up the ghost and they laid him in the borrowed grave. And he stayed in that grave all night, Friday night, all day and all night, Saturday night. But early Sunday morning, I wish I had somebody get happy about that one word. Early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands and he's coming back again looking for a church without spot or blemish. He's coming back looking for a righteous church. Men, women, boys, and girls all across this world needs a righteous church so that we'll stop just judging folk on what we see, but looking at them how God created them. Because whether you know it or not, just because we're in the house today, that don't mean that we got everything all together right. We all have an X. We all been an X something. And, and if I can be real about it, I'm trying to help somebody. If I can be real about it, even after you gave your life to the Lord, Huh? It, 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 it's, it's the Lord that makes us righteous. Yeah, I, re, I recall the Bible saying now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. And even if you fall, present you faultless before God. Yeah, it's a song that say we, we fall down, but we get up. Yes, we have to, we've got to make a conscience decision and a concerted effort to move from religion to righteousness. That's not just a motto. That's something I want each and every one of us to grab a hold of and work each and every day to become a little bit more righteous today than I was on yesterday. I remember Dr. Erweiler, one of my high school, I mean college professors, told me something and it stuck with me from the day that he told me. He said, when he found out I was a preacher, he said, you know, religion, or not religion, Christianity, uh, Christianity is a process and not a destination. You never get to a point where you all together just got it all right. That's why, that's why we come to the house of the Lord every chance that we get. Because I know, and I'm speaking for myself, I know I've let the Lord down time and time again in my life. And all of it ain't been by accident. You've got to realize within yourself that, God, I can't be what you would have me to be without 
the power and the presence of you in my life. That's the starting point. That's where you start. You must accept him into your life. And like I said, it does not matter what happened in your past. It doesn't matter if you were a killer, a drug dealer, or a stealer. God is waiting for you to make up in your mind that, Lord, I give myself away so that you can use me. But can't nobody make that decision for you. You have to make that decision on your own. What I do know, God is waiting and he's willing to clean up the mess you've made out of life. He's waiting and he's willing to stand by your side. He's waiting and he's willing to lay his hands of protection around you. But it starts with a personal decision. I can't do it for you. Mama can't do it for you. You can't hitchhike your way to heaven. But you got to drive your own vehicle. So with that being said, the doors of this church is open. <laughs>